the tomb is empty, Christ is alive, we are Easter people, and Alleluia is our song. We thought it was a great occasion on this week to celebrate missions coming off of Easter last week. He is alive, so let's take that obligation, that opportunity to share the good news of Christ with the world. You'll see several missionaries from right here at Royal Redeemer on the screens this morning throughout the sermon uh, testifying to the power of mission. I'd love for us to come together uh, around God's word this morning. So this is a very familiar passage right at the end of Matthew 28. Jesus is about to be ascended into heaven. And we read, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Let's come together in prayer. Father, your cause, your purpose, your priority alone engages our hearts this morning. Use us to set up your kingdom in every place where Satan reigns, whether it's next door or in another nation. We don't have the ability, we don't have the power, we don't even have the courage to do this on our own. So fill us now with your Holy Spirit, fill us forever. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. We pray this all to the glory of Christ and in his name, and together we all say, amen. As we watch the videos this morning of missionaries just like you, I want you to see three things. And the first one is just that, that they are people just like you. The people you will see on the screen are people just like you who are trusting in God to make missions happen. Secondly, I'd like you to see that God provides fantastic results when we rely on him. And thirdly, I hope it'll light a fire in all of us to go and spread. Maybe it's the person next door. <clears throat> Maybe it's the people on the other side of the planet, but we're all on mission. Here's where I like to start this morning. Understand that our Christian life is one of faith and action. Our Christian life is one of faith, believing, but also taking that belief and taking it out and action. First John 3.18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us love the world with actions and with the truth that the tomb is empty, that Christ came to redeem us, and now we are redeemed. We have this love as a gift from God, and it comes to us because Christ has put us in a right relationship with the Father through his finished work on the cross and his resurrection. So now in this verse, we see that this faith we have, this belief, is not just to be kept to ourselves, but to be used and taken out into the world. Um, Servant Saturday, about 13 days away, you heard about it. I hope you'll go sign up both on paper, signups in the, in the uh, commons right out here, but also online. Um, generally, sometimes we have t-shirts made for that. We um, kind of up, uh, update and refresh them from time to time. And, and from about three times ago, I, I just love the back of the t-shirts that we had made that year. Uh, same verse, different translation. Let us not merely say that we have love, for each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And the, the enormous hands saying, yep, we're not going to do it perfectly, but we're going to take these hands that God has given us and take them into the world and to bless others. James 2, 14 through 18, a good challenge. James write, writes, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Our first missionary to watch today is Art Beam, and he explains how a group of men who were around the word doing good things, believing, 
had the fire of mission to take it into the community. My name's Art Beam, and I've been attending Royal Redeemer for somewhere between 20 and 25 years. The St. Herman's experience came out of a men's group that I had been participating in where we, we would do six to eight week studies and lots of good fellowship and conversation that eventually wound around to the point of, you know what, we come in and sit in this room and talk about Bible studies and helping others and loving others and spreading God's word. And we sit in this little room. And so why don't we reach out and try and do something different? At about the same time, I had a friend who was engaged and involved with St. Herman's uh, and had some conversations with him. He connected me with St. Herman's and it turns out that they were looking for people, groups of people that were willing to come in and prepare hot breakfast for the transitional uh, men that live at St. Herman's as well as the homeless population in the area. I said, this is God talking to me and everything coming together at the right time. And so for about the next five years, this my men, the men's group that I'm a part of uh, served breakfast at St. Herman's once a month on a Friday morning. Uh, so it was one of our one of our men's group meetings every four weeks was serving at St. Herman's. And it was it was the same experience as the mission trip in Haiti. We would grumble and groan about having to get up at five in the morning and meet in the Royal Redeemer parking lot and why did I sign up to do this? And two hours later, we would leave St. Herman's alive and thankful and blessed and, and happy with what we'd been able to do. Did you hear it? They were together doing good things. They were doing Jesus things. They were around the word and, and, and worshiping and filling themselves with God's word, but then the fire got lit. You know, we need to be in the community as well. A life of mission. Number two for us this morning is that Jesus calls us to a life of compassion. Be motivated by the compassion that you have. Ephesians 2.32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Now, compassion really just broken down uh, in its simplest term is giving, giving of money, giving of your time, giving of mercy, giving advice, giving a hug, giving a smile, giving encouragement. When you have a heart of compassion, you have a chance to be a healer, you have a chance to be a helper. You have a chance to be a hero. The kindness and compassion that we have is not just self-generated. Not, not generated. We don't synthesize compassion within ourselves. It's a gift from God. L look at how Jesus responds in Matthew 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had, what, compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The Amplified Bible says they were dispirited and distressed. The message translation says they were confused and aimless. Do you know anybody, do you see anybody from day to day, people who are harassed and helpless, dispirited and distressed, confused and aimless like sheep without a shepherd? I have to tell you, I think more than 50% of the people I see are this way. Do you agree? People who are lost, they want answers. They're just looking in the wrong place. Compassion takes us to those people. Our next missionary to watch is John Tisch from right here at Royal Redeemer. He talks about compassion that he had for a precious soul in need on mission. I'm uh, John Tisch. I've been with Royal Redeemer for 15 years now. 
the first and most memorable experience in Harp was the first person I met, a, a gentleman by the name of Tim, lived alone with his two dogs, had recovered from voice cancer and used a, an electric uh, voice uh, augmenter so that he could communicate. He lived in a trailer um, that uh, his roommate had stolen the plumbing. Uh, so he had no heat and the third of the roof, so about 15, 20 feet of roof had collapsed and he'd been living like that for several years. I was asked, can you look at his place? Can we repair this? And the answer was no. On a subsequent trip, uh, they asked me to go look at a, a trailer that somebody had donated to start taking it apart, getting ready to move. And on a third trip, several of us were happy to provide him the new trailer, a roof over his head, all the plumbing, everything worked. And uh, we installed some new windows and doors in it for him. And he, it was, uh, it's so memorable because he was, uh, he had been abandoned. His family had literally abandoned him. He was living by himself and nobody had really shown him much love in, uh, in uh, recent years. And he was, he broke down and cried uh, as we said a prayer with him when we left. So that was my first experience. I got the privilege of meeting him two other times and it was really quite a moving experience. Christians don't see a guy who lives in a trailer whose roof is partially collapsed, whose roommate stole the plumbing, who has no heat, whose family has abandoned him, who's recovering from cancer. And we don't just look at a guy like that and say, stinks to be you, sorry, good luck. We jump in. And we were able to provide a, a trailer, and as John, John will get as choked up about this as I will. Um, it's just beautiful. Can I be a little strong with you right now? If you find a lack of joy in your Christianity, maybe it's because there's not a lot of compassion. And I'm challenging you know, now, I know. But maybe you see people as barriers or annoyances or just people in your way to getting what you want. Let's instead see them as human beings in need of love. Yeah, they've probably made a lot of stupid choices and they're probably reaping the benefits of those stupid choices. But they still need love. Let's be... Christians of compassion, as Christ was compassionate, compassionate, seeing people who are helpless and harassed, dispirited and distressed and confused and aimless. And as I mentioned earlier, the compassion that we share with others isn't something that we generate. We learn about it in 2 Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And then look at this part. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that now we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God comforts us in our troubles, not only to bless us, of course, but now we're equipped. Oh, that's how this works. The compassion that we've been shown by Christ is now ours to share with a hurting world. Number three, start your mission with simple acts of love. Simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Love people. Jesus speaking in Mark 9, 41, I tell you, anyone who gives a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. A cup of water. Jesus is telling us to go, and maybe he's calling you to do grand, enormous gestures. Maybe he's asking you to give a cup of water. Our next missionaries are Steve and Elaine White. They've both been on missions overseas and here locally. And they're encouraging you who are looking for ways to get on a mission to, to simply start, start small. My name is Elaine White. We've been here about six or seven years. And I'm Steve White. I would say don't think about going big. Little things 
whatever that is, whether it's encouraging words, prayers, a small donation of any kind, whether it's monetarily or materials that are needed. Some people just aren't wired to go down in, it's outside their comfort zone, but there are some little things that you can be a part of the missions and still feel like you're helping. And it's not always the big stuff. It's, I think we have so many people here. If everybody does a little, we are very successful in this church. So you're listening and watching this morning. You're thinking, I, okay, I'm, I know I'm supposed to, but I don't feel very well equipped. Yeah, me neither. But here's the deal. The pressure's off. It's not, God doesn't say go uh, change people. The Holy Spirit does that. He just says go. Rely completely on God. The story of Nehemiah is a fascinating one. Real briefly, he was um, held captive in Persia. He'd been taken captive as a, the other Hebrews had been taken captive by the Babylonians. The Persians take over. So he's, he's a captive. And he learns about his hometown, Jerusalem, and that it's in ruins. It's been sacked. That The walls have been knocked down. So he goes to the king of Persia, Artaxerxes, and can you imagine him going and saying, can you release me for a while so I can go a couple hundred miles back to my hometown and rebuild the walls? And he prays about it. Nehemiah prays about it, and God says, I will talk to Artaxerxes and allow him to release you. Can you imagine? So he goes back to Jerusalem and builds the walls, and actually Artaxerxes actually helps him, and there's lots of opposition. And the whole time, the whole reason I'm telling you this is because again and again, Nehemiah goes to God and says, God, you do this. I, I can't do this. I can't rebuild these walls on my own. These people oppose me. And so finally, we get to this beautiful prayer in Nehemiah where he prays, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. And then two key words for me. Nehemiah says to God, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. God, you do it. You give. You grant. I I can't do this. And God does. Nehemiah trusted God completely for the success of the mission. And God would send another rescuer hundreds of years later, not to rebuild a wall, but to give new life to the world. And just as Nehemiah rebuilt old broken walls, Jesus gives us new life to replace the old broken ones. And the point here is that God does it all. Our next video again shows Steve and Elaine White. They're back, this time to remind us that it's God who powers our missions and brings us success. Steve was hurt in the Dominican, and they they were obligated to do the next day of Vacation Bible School. They did day one, but Steve got hurt, and who was going to do the next day? Who was going to teach the kids? And and God provided. Take a look. Through all these experiences, it makes me more not afraid of what's to come in my life. God's got it. And... uh, a lot of times before this, all my involvement in the mission, I thought I had a little more control. And, and being involved in these things, realizing I don't have a lot of control and trusting God because of this, these experiences with my mission experience has made me more that way. I would say, you know, certainly trust in the Lord that he is uh, ever present wherever we go, wherever we are, and that no worries because God's got it. There are times that things come up, um, especially when you're doing mission work. There's only so much you can plan for, um, but trusting that the Lord has it. Um, And again, the experience with Steve and the team, we were day one of Vacation Bible School. There was still day two that we were not going to be there for, but God provided um, what we thought was a mistake 
um, it looked like because we had planned for different children the second day, it was the same kids who were going to come back or, or different kids that were going to come back. So the team could just repeat what we had done and all the supplies and everybody knew what to do, even though we weren't there to be part of the team to lead. Well, yeah, with Elaine and Elaine leading the thing, and I was in charge of one area too, we thought we were important, but we weren't. <laughs> it all went as God planned. How many of us have seen God come through when times, uh, the, the circumstances and the situation go south? And God comes through in a mighty way. Uh, number five this morning, you might be more greatly blessed than the recipient. I bet if you go on mission, you will come back more full of blessing than the people that you actually went to go bless. Um, we read about Paul in Philippians 2. He had been on mission, but he had been through it all, man. He had been imprisoned. He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten to death, and God miraculously brought him back. He had been, been bitten by a poisonous snake. And the story goes on and on, and we read, he says, I, uh, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, he says, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. There's, there's a deep joy, even a surprising joy that comes deep into your soul from being aligned with God, from, from doing his will, from experiencing that surprising, fulfilling um, thing in your soul that's kind of hard to put into words, but you will come back fuller and more blessed than the recipient. I, I experience this a couple times a year, generally, a Servant Saturday, I truly do. We'll, we'll meet here for a quick breakfast. We'll go out and bless the community. And then, you know, you're dirty from yard work or whatever, but you're driving home. And you're, the word I just use is full. I'm just so full. It was such a blessing that we were able to do that. And I mean, it usually stays with me all Saturday and into Sunday and maybe even into Monday and Tuesday. And the other time that I experienced that is um, at Night to Shine, where we here as a church community put on a, a special needs uh, prom type uh, party for our special needs friends. And COVID has kind of goofed it up, but we hope to get back on track. It's on a Friday night and we all work hard and it's late. We're driving home at 1130 or midnight on Friday, but just so full, so much good has happened. And that last meal Saturday and Sunday and through the week, there's a very good chance you will be more blessed than the people you're going to bless. And one of the reasons that happens is we know from scripture that it's better to give and then receive. Receiving is a good thing and we ought to receive when God says receive. But the Bible says giving is better. Acts 20, Paul, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed than to receive. Secondly, this happens because on your mission, you're becoming more like Jesus. When you're doing these things, you are the hands and feet of Jesus. You're aligning yourself with him. And that brings a certain peculiar, specific joy. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, therefore be imitators of God. Be like God. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. How? Just like Jesus. Be like him as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Our final missionary to see this morning is Janet Cronenberger. And she briefly shares the joy that will come to you on mission. I'm Janet Cronenberger, and I've been at Royal Redeemer, I think, since about 1920, no, since 2000, I think. Other than, than playing with a grandchild, I th would think it'd be very hard to duplicate the experience of working with people that you don't know and who don't know you and who are... Um, willing and 
gracious enough to let you make mistakes with them and and mostly that you love them, that you pray that what you are doing is, is showing them the face of God and his love for them. Did you catch the part where she compares it to time with your grandchildren? I've seen some of your grandparents. You're, you're berserk with your grandchildren. You're so happy around them. And she's comparing this to that. It, it, it's got to be pretty amazing. I'd like to approach the end of the message this morning by having us read aloud some of the scripture that I shared earlier. And then we'll tack on a piece that we didn't get to in the beginning part. So uh, together, let's read the scripture with me. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now let's tag on the part that we didn't touch on. Let's read this together. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. As we come to the end this morning, let's talk about a couple of next steps. These are at the bottom of your worship folder, things to think about and pray about. A prayerfully commit to some kind of mission. Would you spend time in prayer this afternoon, tomorrow? God, that guy at church said, I'm probably supposed to be doing this, and I know from your word I probably should. Show me what I should be doing. Number two, stop by the missions table right out the door. Meet people just like you who just taken that step in missions and see how you can help and join along with them. And number three, we didn't really talk about that this morning, but be ready at all times to be on mission by helping with things that just pop up, right? We've talked a lot about kind of like planned missions, like let's go do this. Well, stuff pops up every day. We see it, right? People have needs. Let's have a soul. Let's have a disposition that's ready to say, yes, yes, I will give. Yes, I will go do. Yes, I will help in this way. Wrap up with this story. Philip Yancey is a journalist and an author, and he t says about um, about 2.5% of people in India are Christians. 2.5%, very small minority. But about 25 to 30% of all medical care in India is given by these Christians. It's remarkable. 2.5% are Christians, but 25 to 30% of all medical care in India is provided by Christians. And if you ask the average Indian, according to Philip Yancey, who a Christian is, they would say, I don't know. All I know is every week a van pulls up in my village with a cross on the side. And I know if I'm sick or hurt, I can go there and they'll make it better. So I guess I would have to say a Christian is somebody who heals my wounds. Not a bad reputation. That's not the full gospel, of course, but it's part of it. What if Christians around the world had that reputation? We don't really know who they are or what they believe. But I just know when they show up, they heal my wounds. That would be pretty terrific. Let's come together in prayer. Father in heaven, as we wrap up this message on missions, I pray that every soul listening would understand and see clearly their mission. Maybe it's a small local effort. Maybe it's the person next door. Maybe it's somewhere else in the world. Maybe it's a long-term commitment. But I pray for doors to be opened. I pray for boldness. I pray that your word would spread. I pray for protection. I pray for safety and travel. I pray for refreshment for these missionaries that your word might be known among the nations, Lord, all to your glory, by the power and the might of Jesus who never changes and continues to love. We pray in his name and together we all say, amen.